Welcome to Running the Bases. I'm Tucker Wells, joined as always by Coach Jordan Bounds. Foggy Monday here in Atlanta, Georgia, wouldn't you say? Dismal weather. Dismal January weather, fit for a Tom Waits song. So we are first recording of the new year, and let's jump right into the Hall of Fame. Coach, love for John Smoltz. Uh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Uh, I was afraid that the Hall would not elect four people, and I was uh, really, I, I really thought Biggio would get more votes than Smoltz. Pedro and Johnson were shoe-ins, but uh, it, it wasn't close on any of the four. They all went in solidly. Yeah, I too. Uh, I, and let me say, I, I don't mean that I didn't want Biggio in. I, I did want Biggio in as well. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Let's just start right there. What is your most memorable Craig Biggio moment? Mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, really, uh, I mean, the Astros played the Braves so many times in, like, the division series. And, uh, you know, my uh, greatest Biggio moment may be him lining out to Walt Weiss at short or something. I mean— I remember that, yeah. Uh, my, You know, my, my and moment— Weiss was falling down and had the wherewithal to throw to home to right, start a bases-loaded double play. Well— it's not of Biggio doing something good, but what I remember of Biggio is that he was a player. Uh, he was a baseball player. He was, you know, and, and I, uh, baseball people understand that. Yeah. I mean, when you are taking your grandson through Cooperstown, will you point up to the Craig Biggio plaque and say, hey, there's that guy, and he hit hit a lot. <laughs> no, he was a player. He was like, okay, we need me to move from catcher to second base. I'll move to second base. By the way, do you know whose idea that was? That was Yogi Berra's idea. Uh, but beyond that. Well, because Yogi uh, had to do that. That makes sense. Yogi and, moved around uh, from, from uh, away only, from the backstop. Late in his career. Late in his career. That wasn't the same. Uh, and, and then, but Biggio then moves to the outfield because it's good for the team. And he, he's an all-star at all of these positions. Uh, he slides head first. He's a, he's a player. Yeah. Won he's some a, gold gloves in there. He, uh, I mean, he was a scrapper, a player. He was a hall of famer. All right. A lot of that is compilation, but I have no problems with Biggio being in even a, uh, a small hall. Yeah. Well, his election begs the question about now and the future, uh, you know, Tim Raines um, uh, and like the Lee Smiths of the world. Do you see that now that Biggio got in, that it'll be easier for a Tim Raines to get in next year? He had more support this year. I think he... uh, Tim Raines gained about nine points this year, went up to like 55, but he's only got like a couple of years left, I think, uh, at most. And that's grandfathered in. Uh, you mentioned Lee Smith. I don't, I don't see Lee Smith as having a prayer when you consider that what I think two of the top three people going in next year would be Hoffman and Wagner. Uh both of which would take votes away from Lee Smith because you're that those will get reliever votes. Uh, when I see, um, and Smith, you know, how many years does Smith have left? Uh, I just I never thought that much of Lee Smith. Uh, Tim Raines, uh, he's a sabermetrics beauty. Uh, the uh, I'll, I'll hear an argument I heard against Tim Raines. Uh, not so much against him, but how it works against him. And this was from Bob Costas, you know, uh, of all people. Uh, but the he talked about how Tim Raines has more stolen bases than Lou Brock. Uh, but Lou Brock at one time had the most stolen bases of any Major League Baseball player, the most in one season of any baseball player. And he completely dominated 
three different World Series. Uh, that is fame. That There is no doubt about it that that is fame. And this is the Hall of Fame. Not Tim the Rain- Hall of Very Good. No, and, and Tim Raines played for Montreal. A lot of the guys that are in, you know, this year and years past, but this year in particular, all have Montreal ties. Pedro, Randy Johnson. So. I don't think Pedro's Hall of Fame numbers came with Montreal. He had a, a couple of very good years in Montreal. No, he didn't go to Boston. He's not in the Hall of Fame. No, uh, the uh, and I don't think Randy's numbers in Montreal really. They don't mean much at all. <laughs> no, really, no, they were just like what you had to overcome. Uh, I you know, and I'm not saying anything against Reigns in that respect, but uh, it is somewhat of an understanding. Lou Brock was. I don't have any doubt that Lou Brock deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Tim Reigns's numbers are better than Lou Brock's, but I'm not. I think Tim Reigns should be in the Hall of Fame, but not as with the certainty that I think that. Lou Brock should be. Yeah. Well, this goes, it brings up the, with Biggio getting in. I mean, you know, truly what, you know, the most memorable moment for Craig Biggio is what? The time he got a double up the middle, you know, as a hitter, that is. You know, you remember him. What is your most memorable moment for Phil Rizzuto? Well, what is your most memorable moment for Pee Wee Reese? But see, this what is, is your most memorable moment for Jake Sewell, Joe Cronin, Archie Vaughn? You know, I can name is, a million Tim, middle infielders. You know, and it, it is particularly those that were offensive middle infielders. You don't have moments that recognize them. They, but, it, but see, if Craig Biggio is in because he's a player and he's you know a hit machine and good defense, then couldn't you argue that Tim Raines is also a player and oh, a oh, stolen look, base machine? Oh, oh look, look, look. I, I have... Just separate those two. I think two. Tim Raines should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not saying that. You know, I vote. I we we did this. You know, I voted for him this year. You know, I and have for the last couple. Well, I voted like my vote counts. Uh, well, then but, what's what's the deal with? I mean, just because he played in Montreal, is this your argument for why he won't get in? Oh, because I thought you just said that you don't see him as a Hall of Famer. No, I no I. Uh, you know, maybe you're talking about Lee Smith. All right, but no, no, I'm saying it in terms of. Reigns getting into the Hall of Fame is doing it by his numbers in. and his stats and things uh, of this nature. He's not getting in by his fame. His The glory of Tim Reigns is not bringing him in. Yeah, even though, but for Craig Biggio, it is. No, Craig Biggio is a compiler. He's compiled a bunch of uh, lifetime stats. A lot of that is longevity that has got him in. The fact that he played for one team and did all of this and was uh, sacrificed in many different ways. I think there, uh, the character issue, I, to me, there's no doubt in my mind that Craig Biggio is a Hall of Famer. On the, in the same light, Jeff Kent, who's a second baseman, I don't put in right away. Uh, I need to see... I, I need to analyze him more. But Craig Biggio deserves 3,000 hits that used to be automatic. Yeah. You know, uh, just automatic. Uh, what, are, what, there are 12 people that have 3,000 hits in the history of baseball? I, I may be wrong. Maybe 13 now. Whatever. Uh, it's very know. few, yes, to say the least. Right. Well, this argument is the Smoltz argument. If you look at Smoltz as just as numbers, you got – 213 wins to 155 losses. Mike Mussina has 270 wins, 153 losses, and Kurt Schilling, 216 wins and 146 losses, neither of whom are in the Hall of Fame. All right, all right, all right. right. First of all, John Smoltz didn't bankrupt the state of Rhode Island. Uh, (laughs) This is true. uh, And Kurt Schilling's video game bankrupt the state of Hall of Colorado. I mean, uh, of uh, Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. 
that teachers are not going to get their retirement <laughs> in Rhode Island because of Kurt Schilling's uh, just arrogance. Uh, that alone is a reason to keep him out. Although I have heard that his video game is very good. Uh, I, I thought it never got released, but, but whatever. Uh, Regardless, oh, I said I've heard. Uh, <laughs> the uh, now, as far as Musina goes, uh, in I think Musina entirely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, not only did he compile these steady numbers in a period with steroids and everything else, he did it in the AL East, uh, and um, the. Uh, while I was not necessarily a fan during the time, uh, looking at it now, um, he will, after Griffey, be my number two vote next year. Yeah, ahead of uh, Piazza. We didn't talk uh, about that yet. Uh, yeah, well, I, gosh, I have my, my problems with Piazza, and I, I'm not uh, Piazza and Bagwell. There are no convictions, there is no, all there are whispers. Uh, you know, about steroid use. Uh, and, and then Bagwell's incredibly stupid statement to Verducci where he says, you know, that he, uh, whether you're the first or the 25th player on the roster, you should do everything you can, including steroids, uh, to get an advantage. Uh, that statement is really That's problematic. Uh, that is problematic. But uh, Short the, of admission... Yes, uh, short of it, mission and conviction, Mitchell report, you know, any of that stuff, there's nothing about Piazza and Bagwell. I don't consider myself to be, so if I had a vote, I would vote for the two of them until there is some concrete evidence. However, my problem with this is once one of those gets in, does that suddenly clear the path for Clemens, Bonds, Sosa, all of these people who have, uh, who do not have a unblemished past. Correct. Well, here's the argument. Okay, what is the Hall of Fame? I mean, Hall of Fame, but is it a a museum? B an award, or C an honor, or D all of the above. Nice D all of the above. Okay, so looking at that first part, it is a museum, correct? Correct. So what matters in the history of baseball is what you want to see there, and on that merit alone, Kurt Schilling has to be in the Hall of Fame. There are exhibits of Pete Rose, Jackson, uh, everybody you could think of throughout the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's just the room of the plaques. That's the only thing where there is an issue if you are a member and you have a plaque up there. All right, if they want to have a separate room of plaques for juiced players, I'm okay with that. Uh, I have no problem with that whatsoever. And this is like the juiced room, or <laughs> you know. Uh, and well, I've never been. It is it, are are the plaques themselves arranged in a certain way by year or by, by year? Yeah, so you just go along chronologically right, see, and yes. see each class. Okay, understood. Continue. All right, so you separate all of these people, and then you can recognize Bonds and Clemens and Sosa, McGuire, Palmero, say whatever you want about all of these people, and because I don't think uh, you can... You know, Bonds was one of the greatest players ever. Clemens, one of the greatest pitchers ever, uh, before they were probably juiced. Yeah. Uh, they did cheat. They did, their numbers are stupid. Uh, but, you know, they there needs to be, I think, some sort of recognition for them. Well, okay, but let's, okay, it's Kurt Schilling. Take away the fact that he bankrupted uh, Rhode Island. 3,000 strikeouts, over 3,000 innings, a career 346 ERA, 11-2 in the postseason, 4-1 and one in the World Series with a right, two right, my, just, just north of two ERA, 93 LCS MVP, 2001 World Series MVP. And then in 2004, he has Hall of Fame moments that Craig Biggio has none of. Oh, look, look. Uh, uh, Schilling is... 
You know, can you believe, by the way, that he said the reason he was not elected was because he was Republican? Uh, but <laughs> uh, beyond that, uh, Schilling is probably a major leaguer, but he had a real, real pedestrian career until he's in Philadelphia for a while. I mean, he is very average, like a 500 pitcher for the first half of his career. But then he has this thing where he turns around and never walks anybody. And his strikeout-to-walk ratio is better than... There are players that have turned it around, the red roughings of uh, baseball history, who become Hall of Fame pitchers late in their career. And I think that's what Schilling is. I think he's a Hall of Fame pitcher. I don't think there's much doubt about it. He was, but he's like uh, a ninth year or something like that. You know, when it becomes convenient, this coming year, he's not. He shouldn't be getting in with the candidates he's going against. Griffey is a first-time year. I think Hoffman is. I don't think he may not get in this year, but I think Hoffman. Would be. I think Wagner's going to get a lot of votes. Wagner will at least pick up the Mattingly votes that are lost. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I I think Piazza will probably get in this year. Bagwell, That's a really safe bet, considering uh, how much he went. He, I mean, he was just just south of seventy. He went to sixty-two to sixty-nine point nine percent. That's yeah. right there. I mean, uh, likewise, Bagwell improved a bunch. Go- well, no, not a bunch, but he went from fifty-four to almost fifty-six percent. One of my uh, one of my favorite things is that Aaron Boone had two more had a, one more vote than he had All Star appearances. <laughs> <laughs> That's just awesome. Uh, but you, you really, you think Schilling has to wait until he's almost he, off the ballot to get in? I think he's going to have to wait a few years. What are you going to there? What we've had the last two years is unprecedented. Uh, we haven't had seven people go in in two years in a row since like the thirties. Uh, and I just, well, I'm, I'm looking at it beyond. I'm looking at just who the baseball writers vote for. You know, no oh. veterans committees, no special committees, just who the writers vote. Oh, absolutely. And With, it's, it's you know, it's, what it was it? It was just Glavin, Maddox, and Frank Thomas last year, so three. This year you have four. Ne- looking ahead to next year, King Griffey Jr. is automatic. I, I think so. And then you've got Wagner and Hoffman, who have question marks. I don't think Wagner gets in at least the first time. Yeah. I'd and, love to put him in, but... So you could have a you could have a Griffey Hoffman Schilling Piazza or a Griffey Hoffman Schilling no. Usina. Do you, you could you, you could do easily know have vote for how him. often there have been four people that have gotten in. Oh, very very few. I don't have the exact number, but very few. Two, two. Uh, yeah, it's been like sixty some years since the last time. So you know, I mean, that's an unusual thing. I'm not saying, I, mean, I think Schilling will get, remember, it took like nine, ten years for Don Drysdale to get in. I think of Drysdale and Schilling as being very similar types of pitchers. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it, it, obviously we're, we're uh, to further Although the argument. Although Drysdale didn't bankrupt the state of Rhode Island. True. So let's talk about that. How much does their character play in? Because... I mean, it, it's voted on I by writers. It, I you know, think Ted it, Williams didn't get in for years for talking apples to year. apples. I, I think, I think it had something to do with Schmoltz getting in first round. Yeah, I agree. And you know, the argument against Schmoltz, I I didn't grow up in Houston. I'm sure there's Houston Astro fans will say, well, you didn't see back Biggio every day and playing through injury and so on and so forth. But let's look at Schmoltz here on the national stage. Fifteen and four in the postseason overall. That what that's what gets him in. That's a whole season. That is a whole season. And you're looking at uh three years in particular, ninety one, he's two and oh in the LCS. Um he has two no decisions in the World Series, but pitched fourteen innings total, a one point two six ERA, and game seven is gonna be remembered for forever and ever. Amen as one of the greatest games ever played. And then in 92, he's an LCS MVP. And then 96, I mean, 96, John Smoltz's 96 doesn't get talked about enough. Cy Young, 24 wins, 2-0 in the LCS, including uh, two games facing elimination. Um, And then in the World Series, he had a sub-1 ERA. 
and uh, a victory over the Yankees. And I, I, I throw that and the fact that 154 saves. You know, you're, you, you you're, talk about the mentality. What, what does it take to, to shut off being a frontline starter to being at the back end? You're preaching to the choir. I, you know, I have no problem uh, with Smoltz being in the Hall of Fame. The only reason that he would be third in my vote this year was because they're just two unbelievable pitchers that were ahead of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, but the uh, Smoltz is a Hall of Famer. I mean, look, we don't need to defend it. He got in first year with a, a, a larger percentage of the vote than I think either of us would have uh would have forecast. Uh, I mean, what was it? He got in with uh, almost 83% of the vote. Uh, so we don't need to say anything about Smoltz. Well, I, you know, I, I say it more or less just to salute him and praise yeah. him. Uh, you know, he's our boy. He's, absolutely. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. The, and, and admittedly, uh, during the, the streak, during all of those years together, Maddox, I sat and watched like, uh, oh my God, this is one of the greatest pitchers I've ever seen in my life. Glavin, he was the Braves. He was the anchor. He was everything. Smoltz was the one I pulled for. Smoltz yeah. was also the one I thought, Bobby, why are you keeping this guy up? Send him down so he can like straighten out his his butt. But the um, what did I know? That's well, why Bobby is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, and, and Smoltz was throughout that whole run the most uh, accessible to the press. And so we get into this, this the voting process here. Would, I mean, would you make changes to the ballot itself and, and the voting on the ballot? You've got this random feeling that, you know, you can only vote for 10, you know? No, uh, I w- the, the 10, I, I mean, as a lot of baseball writers are clamoring to have 12 uh, on their vote. I don't think that makes a difference. Although I do see uh, this the effort to keep people on the ballot, to examine them longer. Uh, I believe that Alan Trammell and Fred McGriff should be in the Hall of Fame. They're not going to with a baseball writer's uh, vote. But their being on the the ballot longer will make them more susceptible to being into the uh, the old timers or whatever it is uh, veterans the, committee the veterans committee. I think that may help Morris get in. Uh, so I don't know that this uh, and I I really do believe the uh, taking it down from fifteen years to ten years. I think this was an effort to slap the Sosa's, Clemens, and Bonds and stuff out of the thing, uh, it may have hurt some of the more authentic players. Yeah. Well, I mean, would you you look at some guys that are on the first ballot this year and never again? Carlos Delgado had 473 home runs, but who remembers anything from him? Gary Sheffield you know, 509 home runs, but he's, you know, surrounded by steroids, steroids suspicion. And by his own admission, he trained with bonds and used the clear or the, the cream. cream. Yeah. The balm at one point, but you know, so I, I throw Fred, I love Fred McGriff. I've, you know, certainly when he was a brave, but you know, throughout his whole career, but I, I wouldn't put him in the hall of fame. Oh, I would. Uh, I mean, I told you he's. Well, he, we took my vote earlier. I he was on it, uh, and because uh, for a ten-year period, he's one of the first, the top one or two power hitters in the game. Uh, that gets him in the Hall of Fame. Now, unfortunately, that was before everybody started getting juiced, and the numbers, you know, went from a home run hitter hitting thirty-six to. <coughs> excuse me, to hitting 56. Um, And that hurt Fred McGriff. But wherever he played, whether it was Toronto, San Diego, Atlanta, wherever, he was the premier home run hitter of the time. He was the one guy you didn't let let beat you. Uh, He was it. He was like one of the top 
one or two power hitters in the game for a decade. That, to me, is Hall of Fame, period. Whatever the numbers are, I don't care what all of your sabermetric dips and all of this sort of stuff are. And vorps. Yeah, that was, that's a Hall of Famer. Well, that's, yeah, I, I too, I think it's interesting that this is the first time we're talking about revisionist history with regard to numbers because a Tim Raines or, you know, even like a Don Mattingly or a Wade Boggs and Wade Boggs is in fact in, but, you know, Wade Boggs was a sabermetrics darling before there ever was such a thing. And, but if he would take a walk, he would get booed. You know, I heard uh, Bill Simmons talking about this when he was in Fenway, if, you know, if he got up to bat and took a walk, you know, everyone would boo him because they'd be like, you know, you got to hit. You got to, you know, you need to be swinging and getting on base and driving guys in with the hit. So, you know. Well, I mean, that's a, a whole Joey Votto argument and uh, a lot of the same whether, uh, I mean, Ted Williams was criticized for taking a walk. Uh, at times, you know, with runners and scoring position. Uh, let me reiterate, this was Ted Williams that was criticized. <laughs> you know, if Ted Williams, maybe the greatest hitter ever, the only people that you can maybe argue, Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb, uh, are better hitters than well, uh Without Josh Gibson and maybe, you know, uh, Negro League players. Uh, I mean, there there is not much argument. And that if Ted Williams is criticized for this sort of thing, then forget it. Yeah. Well, um, so you would keep it at the, though, with the ballot itself, you would keep it at the 10 that you vote for every year. You don't think that opening it up and just saying, you know, vote away, put 17 on if you want to, like having a no limit ballot. How would you feel about that? My problem, I wouldn't like that. Uh, my problem with the Hall of Fame ballot is that there are people that are voting for it that should not be voting for the Hall of Fame. Completely agree. Uh, now, the idea of extending it, I've said at times, why are people like Vince Scully and uh, Bob Costas, why did these people not vote? Whereas there's somebody who's covering tennis in Europe who uh, has a vote. The sportscasters uh, yeah. automatically, uh, I think. I don't. I don't. I, I think that should be, you know, tomorrow that they should approve that. That broadcasters should have a vote. I don't. Uh, I don't think broadcasters. And I've thought about this for a long time because I'm. I, I have often thought, how can Vince Scully not get a vote? Who knows more about baseball than Vince Scully? Uh, however, how can Vince Scully be not be biased? You know, he's covered the same team. His whole life, uh, and he's grown attached to these people. He's had pers- their personalities have interchanged with him. Uh, I've heard Ron Darling and and several people who cover baseball today say, "No, I don't want. I don't want that vote. I don't uh, because uh, that would be difficult for me to separate my own personal bias uh, uh, in friendships and things that I know." Uh, now, people like Bob Costas. That's a different story. But uh, the deal is this is the Baseball Writers Association put this together. It's their Hall of Fame. You know, uh, if the Hall of Fame wants to change it, it's got to be the Hall of Fame that does it. And it was the Hall of Fame was established by the Baseball Writers Association. Now, granted, newspaper baseball beat covers uh they're not quite what they used to be. Uh, I do think perhaps people that write blogs and stuff, I mean, there may need to be a uh, new analysis as to what makes up this party that votes, but uh, it is baseball writers. Yeah, you're, so you're, you're totally fine with that. Uh, I, but I don't think Upon somebody further examination. But I, I don't think somebody that covered uh, the Chicago White Sox for ten years and now has spent fifteen years in Paris covering uh, European tennis uh, for the Chicago Tribute now deserves a vote. How would you police such a thing? You got to cover them every year. It's how many times you know. It's continual coverage 
You yeah. gotta you gotta see the games. Do you think that uh, when a, a baseball writer retires that they lose their vote at that point? So like a Peter Gammons when he finally hangs it up, he's you know he's not allowed to vote. How do you say when somebody really hangs it up? I don't, I you know that I don't know that you can do that. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So, but um, you know, as far as uh, let's look I think at- you got to go to so many games a year. You got to watch so many games a year. Maybe you don't have to go to them. Maybe you can watch them on the tube, but you got to see so many games a year. You got to know who the people are on the ballot. Yeah. Well, certainly, you know, at the at the root, the four that got in this year are all far deserving in the end. Absolutely. You know, no question on Pedro and Randy. No question on Smoltz. The only question about Smoltz is if he was going to be first year or not. And then Biggio, yeah. I mean, I'll get in on that, that I would vote for Biggio myself. So, looking ahead to July, will you be there? Uh, no. Um, because no, that's surprising. The... And I just discussed I thought you just renewed your uh, Hall of Fame membership. I I just discussed this with my son, and we were talking about it. Um, Whereas walking down the street and seeing this row of people like Frank Robinson and, uh, you know, Ozzie Smith and the gods of baseball, signing balls and stuff like that, that's kind of cool. The the fact that there are ten times as many people in Cooperstown at that time as there are when it's not induction weekend. Uh, I mean, to me, the charm of Cooperstown is kind of lost in the mob type of existence. And so the next time I go to Cooperstown, it will not be during induction ceremonies. Yeah, but you went last year because of the the Braves contingent. How I mean, three Braves getting in at the same time, you know, it's yeah. never happened. Yeah, you know, I I I had to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Smoltz, fair. and and in a couple of years, Chipper, I will feel. You know, I, I'm I'm all for them, but they don't need me there. I, I'll go another time. <laughs> if I had the wherewithal, I actually would have uh, picked going to see Smoltz. But I agree with you that. You know, you can see the speeches on the television set and then go and admire their plaque after the fact. So I'll be watching and I'll very much be looking forward to John Smoltz. How many uh, how many jokes do you think he'll have in there percentage wise? Oh, 20 percent of the speech, 30 percent. It'll be cleaner than Maddox's. <laughs> Fair enough. Time to continue running the bases. Part two of our epic uh, Monday, January 12th podcast talking about the off season. Um, coach, let's just start with the Braves, um, our hometown team. Uh, we started this, uh, 2014, 2015 off season with, uh, eight player or I'm sorry, 13 players ranked, uh, baseball America prospect 50 players. I'm not sure what the 50 stands for, but apparently it's really good. In all the trades we've made, we have acquired eight more of these great baseball America players. So, um, the farm system is strong. We're going to be good in 2017. Wouldn't you say that that makes this a whole success? I think there were a lot of, I think there were a lot of assumptions in there that I'm not really willing to accept right away. I'm not willing to accept the fact that we will be good in 2017. I think that John Hart has made a lot of bold moves that may very well enable us to be very competitive in 2017. Uh, but I'm not certain that it's there. We have, we're going to be in a division with a stacked Miami team, a Mets team that will have unbelievable pitching. Uh, are we going to be as good as them? I hope so. Uh, and I believe it may be, but I, I don't think there's any certainty in this. The Mets may very well take over New York over the next few years, you know, considering how awful the Yankees just look right now. But, I mean, you know... I, I agree, but you're going to have to convince me. To me right now, Max Scherzer is going to end up... I, I Number one, I would say with the Tigers, but number two... 
I'm thinking it's the Yankees, despite everything they're saying. Yeah. What 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 is the mentality? I mean, why is it taken? We're January twelfth as of this recording. How how has it taken this long for him to find a landing spot? Because Scott Morris is his agent. Period. I'm in. That's it. End that's, of story. That's just true. His, and true. It's just how the he rolls. Big agent for Scott. Or, I mean, the big client for Scott Morris every year is the last person to sign every year. Yeah, let the whole market play itself out, and then that's what he does. I mean, you know. Yeah, well, John Hart here with us is clearly gives no care to defensive metrics, considering <laughs> the the Evan Gaddis in the outfield and uh, now, Sally. I, look, look, uh, I don't with John Hart. You look at his history and what he did in Cleveland was compile a team that could knock the snot out of the ball. Uh, Albert Bells and uh, Brian Giles and Tomes and people that couldn't feel the ball to save their life, but they could knock the, the crap out of the ball. They were they attacked the ball. They they abused the ball, uh, and they had people like Nagy as their top uh, starters. He does the same thing in Texas. Uh, however, what has he done in Atlanta? With every trade we've had, we've gone after a top prospect pitcher. And the the hitters we have are suddenly these people that are high contact, big speed, non-power type of hitters. Something that is kind of foreign to Atlanta. Uh, foreign to Atlanta's history. Um, whether you are going back to... Sid Gordon to Hank Aaron to Eddie Matthews to um, Dale Murphy to Bob Horner. I mean, you know, forever, you know, Chipper Jones, we've been big power things. But now it seems to be different. Is this going to be in compliance with a new ballpark that might have uh, different dimensions? I don't know. But still, the emphasis on pitching, all of these guys that we're getting that have high up ceilings are, you know, their, their ceiling is high, but we don't know, you know, their basement may be pretty low too. Yeah. Uh, you well, know. our top three in the rotation going into this year as it stands are going to be Tehran and Wood and uh, Shelby Miller, all of which are under 25. Oh, so, I, I agree. But it, so they, we're banking on that upside for sure. They're not the ones that I'm – looking at as being positive, the Tyrell Jenkins, uh, the Manny Banulas uh, from New York, uh, the, uh, what was this 17-year-old guy, we uh, uh, Ricardo Sanchez, uh, that uh, we traded for the other day, that was, uh, you know, that could have an incredible uh, long-term thing. It's not in the, for at least a couple of years. Uh, but well, in here, his case, probably not another three or four. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, we're, uh, we're trading two high prospects for that. We're seeing something. Now, what I'm going to have to do is have faith in John Hart that all of these massive decisions, the Max Freeds that he's gone after, uh, you know, all, all of these people that came back in the Justin Upton trade uh, and stuff like this will pay off. Uh, what I believe it, John Hart has a very successful history. And beyond that, he was Sherholtz's number one man. Sherholtz held out for him for a long time saying, I want John Hart. He's the one man that I want uh, rejuvenating uh, this ball club. And I can and I will accept what Sherholtz's position is with this. The one thing I really don't understand about the whole thing is the signing of Nick Marcakis. Yeah, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But that's a cover. <laughs> I mean, that was uh, yeah. to say. Well, I mean, yeah, that was to send the message that oh, we'll, we'll stay competitive. All right, look, hey, Nick Marcakis. Well, Enjoy. He, uh, again, he. I mean, if you look at it. He is just what, I mean, we really need a leadoff hitter, good defensive, right fielder. Uh, you know, I mean, he is something that the Braves really need right now. Not at his age. Uh, not, I mean, uh, he's not going to be that by 17. We're going to be looking to phase him out. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. 
Well, maybe if he plays above average, if he plays to the value of his contract or you know somewhere close to it, he would be tradable. He would he would be a, a good trade piece at some point. And to that point, if, if we're looking towards 2017, and do you buy in that 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 is the message being sent? By the Braves organization. Uh, John Hart did a pretty good job of devising a team to take them from the mistake at the lake to Jerry. To no, no, uh, no. I'm not. I'm not asking for comparisons of the history. I'm just saying that's what we're looking towards. You yes. as a Braves fan, I as a Braves yes. fan, we can agree that the next two seasons are going to be kind of lost. Well, we. I, I'm hopeful. As far as contention 16, is concerned, sixteen. We're like, whoa, they're better than we thought they would be. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it better than we thought. I mean, what realistically we're going to contend for the second wild card for we're the not, next two we're years? We're not better than the Nationals right now. Come on, now. Exactly. So you know, at best, we're contending and for a wild card, and most likely the second wild card. The second wild best. card. Yeah, but we, so why not that. trade Kimbrel like right now? Well, Hart has said that he is going to build. He wants Kimbrel to be there for ten years and to build the. Uh, the bullpen around him. Okay. I mean, we have there, whereas Kimbrell or Hart said, look, I'm not dissembling the 27 Yankees. And he's right. He was not. Yeah, he's but, right. Yeah, but, good, but we have point. some very significant people. I would be livid if, you know, if we did anything to Andrelton Simmons. I mean, you know, we have... Uh, a great shortstop. We have a great first baseman. We have the best closer in the game. We have a couple of starters that look like they could, you know, we're, it's not like we're not the 27 Yankees, but we're not the 62 Mets either. Uh, and so I, I think there is a compromise between the two. And uh, I think I'm giving Hart the benefit of the doubt right now. Well, yeah, but so you're in favor of holding on to the Kimbrel. I mean, Andrelton, there's no question you can't, you can't, you don't, you don't want to, nor can you really do anything with him because he's the cornerstone uh, at the Keystone. Freddie Friedman. I don't care about winning. I just enjoy watching him play. And that's the argument for Kimbrel as well is that when he comes in, I enjoy watching him play. I like watching Gaddis play. As do I. I mean, you know, we, we've kept all the guys that I like to watch. Yeah, that's a good point. So, well, except BJ. Yeah. yeah and about that, you and know. Chris Johnson, but I, uh, but the one of the Petersons may take that job away from him. Yeah. So, we're looking around at the rest of the league. Um, what do you think is the most significant? What, what, what team do you give the highest grade uh, in this offseason? White Sox. Amen. I was hoping you would say that. What a haul for them. You got uh, Jeff Samarja, David Robinson. Um, they pair Melky Cabrera now with uh, Jose Abreu. And then they even just recently, they got Emil uh, Bonifacio. What are you looking at for White Sox in 2015? Their biggest sign, which you did mention, Adam LaRoche. <laughs> Good point. Uh, Adam LaRoche picks up the defense of their whole infield tremendously. He's as good a first baseman as there's been since Keith Hernandez. He is a tremendous defensive first baseman and lifts and elevates every other infielder in the lineup. Uh, They needed a first baseman. They needed a little bit of left-handed power. I think he is the number one sign of the entire offseason. Samarja... um, I think he's going to give them innings. I don't think they're, you know, he has quite learned how to win yet. Uh, Robertson will help them tremendously. Cabrera, uh, I don't like him, but he's just what they needed in a number two hitter. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Never has somebody been so rewarded for being a cheater. Right. Especially uh, in this day and age. The uh, I, uh, But overall, I think, uh, I mean, the White Sox, went out and got exactly what they wanted and what they needed. Yeah, and the and the pieces to compete in that division. You know, right. cuz the obviously the Tigers will be there, but they've done nothing to to fill their biggest problem area, the bullpen, and then the Royals have done nothing. You know, and you think about it, the Royals, well, they got Billy Butler. No, no, they lost Billy Butler. What am I talking about? 
Yeah, I, I can't think of a, a single significant addition that they've made. Uh, they added some pitcher. I don't remember who it was. Yeah, and Shields may very. I mean, his fate is yet undetermined, but he could be gone. So, I mean, probably the White Sox, yeah, probably will be gone. So, you don't think Samarja knows how to win? I, I look at his his tenure with the Cubs last year. Those he his ERA was uh, sub three. Uh, quality oh, starts. Right. Yeah, no run support. Oh yeah, zero I agree. run support. I agree, support. but he still didn't win games. I mean, you got to learn how to win. You got to learn how to finish. I think he's going to give them innings and positive innings. It will be lots and lots of know, strikeouts too. Uh, he uh, he will be a tremendous help for them, but he's not going to end up a twenty game winner. Well, even still, I mean, I think he'll he'll be he formidable. Will, he to will say help. The least. He will help them a bunch. He will give them. Uh, he and Chris Sale, that's a good one-two punch. Sale will win 20 games. Uh, yeah. Samarja will give them 220 innings, and that is almost like winning 20 games. Yeah. Um, I, I I look at, you know, it seems like all the noise has been made out west between uh, Padres, A's, and Mariners. Uh, looking at the A's, they trade away the following. Uh, the catcher Norris to San Diego, an all-star. Brandon Moss to Cleveland, at their first baseman, and then Donaldson to Toronto. Um, they bring in a whole bevy of prospects, but well, they what, what the is big Billy trade Bean to, doing? They had the big trade today where they bring in Escobar and Zobrist. And yep. uh, the I cannot see, as much as I want to look at it, the trade of Donaldson, I, I just can't see that in any kind of positive way. I can't see that in any way other than Billy Bean being kind of bitchy uh, and saying, uh, I'm more important than our uh, our all-star. Uh, and I don't believe it. Uh, I think that was a poor trade. I think... Uh, as successful as Billy Bean has been in a limited sort of way, I think this has been a poor off season for them. Incredibly, and uh, I think even more so. It, it the the rentals that he had. You have Lester; he's yeah. come and gone. Hamill came and gone, and Samarja. Both of those, all of those big trades are just come and gone. Nothing in return, and right, you know, a wild card exit. So begs the question: Why did he even go there? And now he is. Uh, has traded the best player they have raised to their farm system for years in Donaldson uh, for essentially nothing. Uh, not nothing, but you know, not nearly what most people would believe he's worth. I think uh, you're, somebody's going to have to convince me that what Billy Bean does is not at least in part ego-driven. Yeah. Well, I would have to agree with that entirely. You know, you, you know, if he believes he created Moneyball, then he's going to use it for everything it's worth to further his point. You know, and I think that <laughs> this just proves he he goes out on a limb for the big ring uh, for the first time in his whole tenure of success in Oakland, and it fails miserably. And so now that ego says, "Nope, I'm gonna, I'm going right back." Going right back to what I did. The trade of Donaldson. I heard things where uh, Donaldson went into a was in some sort of argument with uh, Bean, and he he calls Bean Billy Boy, and that just does not uh, sit well with Bean. And now that Bean tr you know trades him right away, how petty can you be? No, uh, but I don't know that any of that is true. It's all kind of secondhand and stuff. So, yeah. Well, looking further north, uh, their their rival in their division, the Mariners, they they re-signed Seager and then they signed Nelson Cruz and then they just trade for Seth Smith. Um, so suddenly it looks like a a, a better outfield, and some more hitting for that team that's stacked with pitching. You've got you know you've got King Felix and then Rodney closing games. Uh, what where do you put the Mariners? Uh, especially now after this Seth Smith trade uh, going into 2015. I think uh, easily they win that division at this well, point. Well, I'm not going to say easily. Uh, the, um, but I think they will win. That They would be my choice to win the division. Uh, I can't figure out if I'm afraid of the Angels or not. The Well, you see, I think 
Sosha is the best manager in the American League, and I think he will get out of his team more than any. Now that Madnet in particular is in the National League, I I don't think there's a better manager than Sosha. So I don't think you can put it past them. No, but are they going to have Richards next year? I forget the extent of his injury. It just, didn't it end up in Tommy John or? I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Well, I mean, even even with him, it, it does seem like they need another pitcher. It does seem like Shields would be a perfect sign for the Angels. Yeah. I mean, if they got him, it would change my outlook on the Angels. But for I, I mean, wherever I just, Shields not... and Scherzer sign, it's going to change the outlook of everything for next year. Those are two formidable pitchers that will make a difference next year. Yeah. True. I mean, but if Scherzer goes to the Tigers, returns to the Tigers, it just, you know, maintains the Tigers' frontline dominance of that division that's been going on for the last, you know, three or four means years. That David Price is going to be signing somewhere else for a lot of money. Well, yeah, but he's, you know, again, that's a year away. He's not a free agent. I know. Um, but the let's say Scherzer goes to the Yankees. The Yankees are going to have him, maybe Tanaka. You know, that elbow could explode at any minute. Could. It could also stay healthy the whole year. Yeah, but what's the greater odds? 12 out of the last 13 years, it's remained solid. Yeah, and when's the one year it went bad? Last. When he was in America. Right. What does that tell you? It tells me that he didn't have surgery and that it's possible. Nah, it's questionable at best. And then, you know, how do you feel about a D.D. Gregorius? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they got, uh, they, they kept it. I think, Chase he'll, Adley, I think so. he'll feel, he'll be a better fielding shortstop than Jeter was. And that's probably about it. I mean, yeah. he could hit, you know, the, the jury's not, out on his He's not going to hit like Jeter. No, but you know what? They up on, uh, they re up on, um, uh, Stephen Drew. Oh man, yeah, Stephen Drew. That's a their biggest sign was Andrew Miller. Yeah, but at the same time, you know he he will be a formidable closer in that role because uh, they don't have Robinson anymore. So, by the way, you want to know what I think is the most underlooked sign uh, or a trade or anything of the off season is Michael Morse going to Miami. Having a big power guy back up, uh, you know the, the big stud there in Miami Stan is Giancarlo uh, is significant. I mean, with the pitching that they have, I think Morris is a tremendous sign. Yeah, well, um, you know the team. And he- as far as the Yankees go, they did sign, they did trade and get Nathan Evaldi from the from Miami. And Nathan Evaldi has as good a stuff as anybody in the major leagues. He's just an airhead. Yeah, he owned us. If the Yankees can, you know, take this 103 mile an hour stuff in the eighth inning and like put some control in it, they got a number one right there. Boom. Yeah. Well, um, you know, in that in the, the the American League East, I will say this: it's kind of feels. You know, the Orioles have not done a whole lot. They They're just, just hoping all these people coming back are going to turn them around. Yeah, and Showalter, which accounts for a lot. Showalter and and Sosha are, you speak about in the same sentence as far as uh, yeah getting I, the most out of their team. I'll agree, and. Uh, but you know, Boston makes their big signings that they do every off season, and yet, you know, does anybody really believe that a team with seven designated hitters is gonna, you know, figure it all out in one season? If you're gonna tell me that Hanley Ramirez is gonna be happy in left field in August, then I believe that the Red Sox are gonna win the uh, win the pennant. Yeah. <laughs> well, whenever you can sign a. Oft injured <laughs> infielder Hanley Ramirez. What a dog! Out. What a dog! And they went out and got. I mean, when you can sign and, him for ninety million dollars over four years, you just got to do it, right? And, and you make Pablo that deal. Sanchez. You know, Sandoval. Sandoval. Yeah, I mean, he's done all of this in the off season. I mean, in the postseason, he hasn't done his. 
His regular season stuff, he's real, real pedestrian. Yeah. Well, looking out, going back out west, San Diego seems to have shook it up the most. All right. So. Uh, yes, they have. Uh, I am having watched uh, Justin Upton up front for the last couple of years. I am greatly unimpressed uh, with a streaky hitter who can carry a team for a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of times a year, but for the most part just strikes out a whole lot and is an awful outfielder. Uh, the um, As far as Matt Kemp goes, Matt Kemp will miss the, glist, the glitz of Hollywood, but the whole thing with Matt Kemp is can you stay healthy and play 150 games? which he hasn't done for years. Uh, now, Will Meyer, uh, from what I understand, he is not a center fielder while he may be looking forward to it. Uh, in that big, spacious ballpark out there, it's hard to not have a legitimate center fielder. Whatever, you're talking about a whole lot of strikeouts from that outfield. Now, And I, I hope that Matt Kemp will be Second half last year, Matt Kemp. Oh, oh, yeah, exactly. It's somewhat healthy. That's all it is. Now, one of the, the San Diego signs that could be the best is the Will Middlebrooks uh, sign from Boston. That could, uh, the new environment and everything going out west, that could... Hoping that he's 2013 Will Middlebrooks. Right, right. I mean, that, that could turn things around. I mean, you know, that could be very significant and help the other players. But uh, what I see out of San Diego is a valiant attempt, but a whole lot of strikeouts. Yeah, a whole lot of strikeouts for sure. But, I mean, they've got uh, incredible pitching. You know, Yes, San, they do. San Diego and because Seattle. Because they play in that ballpark. They play in that, both of them play in those parts where nobody can hit. Yeah, but hey, more power to them. So they built their team appropriately. And can't argue with that. Hey, you, you, you play to your strengths, and they've done that correctly. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we, we're awaiting the big signings of Scherzer and Shields. Do you predict a big move still in the tank, uh, still waiting to happen, starting with the Braves? Do the Braves have another move or two to make this offseason, or do you think that they're going to go into spring training with the team as constructed? Uh, considering that they already have added about 28, uh, to my knowledge, players uh, this year, not all of which will be on their 40-man roster. Uh, yes, I think they'll probably add five, six, seven more people. Whether they will be of significance or not is a different story. Well, let's go with uh, that. Do you think they're going to make a significant uh, move before the start of spring training? I'm hoping they sign Beachy. Yeah. That, to me, would be a significant enough move, and that's not out of the ballpark right now. That's what I would like to see them do. Okay. And then league-wide, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you think is going to make headlines? Well, Scherzer and Shields are— Beyond that, uh, what a, a move, a trade? Um, I think—well, and my saying that I think this, I mean, I, I'm saying what a lot of other people believe as well— uh, I do believe Hamels will be traded from Philadelphia. Uh, and right now, I think he's going to get traded to Boston. Yeah. Not San Diego. You think that's completely done? No, I don't think it's completely done. Uh, but I think it would be between Boston and San Diego and L.A. because uh, I think L.A. recognizes that Greenkey is going to be gone uh, in a year or so. And um, when his thing is up. And... Greenkey's going to go to a lesser market, going to go to a quieter market. Uh, and so I think, and you, uh, at this time, you can't put LA out of any kind of bidding. Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, they did, you know, we didn't talk about the, them picking up uh, Brandon McCarthy. I mean, that's a, you know, an already strong rotation just seems to get stronger. I think picking up uh, Jimmy Rollins may be even more significant for them. Hey, Friedman's Friedman's 
done some wonderful readjustment there. He unclogged that outfield, which was their biggest problem. So you can't argue with his results in the early goings. Um, I look at the landscape, and I I think the Mets might still make a a move of some kind uh, to bring in some hitting to complement that pitching. What that move would be, not entirely certain. But I like to see. I don't know if there's that many, that much. I mean, you know, they got rid of the Ike Davis. They got rid of, you know, I don't know if there's that much hitting left available. Yeah. Right um, now, you know. I, that's uh, a good point. Well, we'll see. So, pitchers and catchers report on February 18th. That's almost less than a month away. Exciting stuff. So, Coach, thank you. Thank you to all, all y'all listening out there on uh, SoundCloud and on iTunes. Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and we will see you again real soon. Coach? Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Have a good night. Good night.